This is Workflow, Episode 12. Workflow is the podcast that helps teams figure out the best way to work, collaborate, and get stuff done. Brought to you by Rindle. Hey everyone, I'm Brian. And I'm Tom. And we're the co-founders of Rindle, and this is our podcast workflow. Today we're talking about managing stakeholder expectations. So before we get into that, Tom, uh, what's happening uh, at Rindle or on a personal note? Not too much. Uh, pretty easy weekend. I uh, watched the Giants game last night. Uh, watched them lose, unfortunately. Um, not they're not looking too hot, but I uh, thought of an interesting potential, like even topic, maybe for uh, the podcast uh, at some point. Um, but the NFL viewer user experience, if you will, uh, noticed that they seem to be doing a lot, lot more. Um, on the screen, like augmented reality type stuff. Pretty interesting. I think some is good, some is not so good. Yeah, I think uh, I think they're definitely trying out a whole bunch of new stuff this year, more than I've seen in the past. Yeah, I noticed a bunch of things myself, um, and I agree that the Giants are not looking that great. But um, <laughs> yeah, I definitely noticed a couple things going on, and I don't, I don't mind some of it. Some of it is helpful, and some of it seems to be a little over the top, but yeah. Um, I, I also noticed that like, even like the first down line, you know, uh, where they normally should, they've shown that for a number of years now at this point. Um, but now it's almost, uh, regardless of the camera angle, you, you sure. might see it behind like, a close up of one of the players now. And it just looks like funny cause it's kind of floating in the background, like not in normal context of, you know, a down about to be played, you know, yeah. so you could see where they're headed. Um, so that I, I noticed this year too. Yeah, yeah, they they have that line. They have the um, line of scrimmage line that's in like every shot, even even close ups. I, I agree with that. Actually, that's where I, I thought it looked a little funny, actually. But uh, and also just the different camera angles that they're really pushing for, like the NFL or like the Madden Madden view. I just I just don't like I just don't like it. And I I don't know why they're they're trying so hard to to make people like that. It seems like they're showing a lot more plays with that. Maybe just showing your age and you're not a Madden gamer. Maybe maybe that is it. Um, yeah, I don't think I've played Madden in a number of years. So, <laughs> what about you? What's happening? Uh, what happened with you over the weekend? Oh, not much. Uh, we did go to the New York Air Show, uh, which we've been to once before. We skipped last year, but uh, we checked it out again this year. My son tends to like things that fly in the air in general. Um, so yeah, it was it was really hot, um, which was unexpected. It was hot yesterday. Yeah, just in, you know, you expect kind of more fall weather. Um, and it just happened to be a really, like, probably one of the hottest days we've had in September. Um, but uh, that made it a little more challenging. Um, you know, my wife is pretty far along in, in pregnancy, so she was there. <laughs> yeah. um, and so that was a whole whole mess. But, you know, the parking was crazy. It's just really far away. Um, you know, it, it's at Stewart Airport in New York, and they have shuttles and buses going all over the place and, and it's craziness and then you know by the time you get there we weren't prepared with like umbrellas and other things that you're allowed to bring in um not thinking it was going to be that hot but it actually was so you're basically sitting on you know uh, uh airstrip with no shade or anything like that so it was pretty miserable um a lot <laughs> of sweat but the thunderbirds were pretty cool um and they had some other stunt airplanes and other stuff like that so 
my son really enjoyed it. And uh, after the fir- the initial takeoff of the Thunderbirds, we were right by the the takeoff area, and the there were five of them or six of them that took off generally, like at literally at the same time. Uh, and the the sound was, I mean, it it scared me. I was is just it, like, is my, it really loud? Oh my! I mean, it it rattled my whole body. And of course my son, we had headphones on him and like, you know, to protect his ears and stuff. But that was so loud that he, he started crying. But after he got over that one, uh, he was like loving the jets, you know, even though we're still loud flying around you and stuff, but nothing like that initial takeoff. Cause we happened to be standing right by where they took off. So it, they usually, you know, down the strip, they'll be already in the air. So it's not as, you know, low. Mm-hmm. Um, so it happened to be just happened to be where we were standing. And, um, so I was like, oh, no, this is going to be a nightmare. But in the end, uh, he was fine and adjusted and was loving it. So. Do, do they go, like, over the sonic boom? Like, do they make a sonic boom? Yes. There's, yep, there's a couple times, and they will – yeah, it's pretty crazy. That's crazy. And they do a bunch of stunts and tricks. They're so fast. And, and they do things on purpose to, like, make you look one way, and there's another jet flying over you, like, real low over your head, <laughs> and that scares you. And so, so um, yeah, it, it's fun. It's fun. Uh, before we get started, uh, if you have any questions, comments, uh, topics, team scenarios, or a- anything at all that you want us to talk about or tear down, shoot us a phone call. Our voicemail is 860-577-2293, or you can email us at workflow at rindle.com. Yeah, and also, uh, please leave a review. It helps us reach more people, uh, whatever you're using, uh, like iTunes. Um, would love a review if you're liking what you're hearing. So the main topic, managing stakeholder expectations. So uh, I think the best way to start this off is to uh, talk about what is a stakeholder. Yeah, and I think that, you know, we're going to keep this probably not as technical, um, but stakeholders is the best way to kind of describe what we're talking about as far as like expectations and dealing with um, different stakeholders within a project or whatever it is you're working on. Um, but a stakeholder is either an individual, a group, or organization who is impacted by the outcome of the project. So they have some kind of interest in the success of the project uh, and can be within, you know, within your organization or outside your organization. Um, and basically they have, you know, they're sponsoring it or they're involved in some way in that project. So if you work at like an agency, uh, most commonly it'll probably be the customer. Yeah, I think in any kind of, definitely in any kind of like customer driven environment, like an agency or any kind of service um, you know, organization, your, your customers definitely probably be the main stakeholder that you're kind of dealing with, uh, more than others. But I think there generally always are other stakeholders. Mm-hmm. So even at an agency, you have your customer, um, but then you have an account manager, maybe as a, as a PM, you're working with the account manager. That's also a stakeholder, right? They have a stake in that project being successful on behalf of their client, right? And you might have even stakeholders between departments, right? So you have a creative aspect of a part of, of a project and you have a development aspect of a, of a project and those become stakeholders in a project. So I think it's, it gets much deeper than that, but yeah, I think the most common definitely is uh, a customer. Cool. Yeah. Uh, another, another example might be if you are setting up an event, uh, the sponsors of the event are stakeholders. Yeah. And I think we don't think about that a lot of times, you know, we, we think about the players and what's kind of going on, but especially if you're, you know, you're not necessarily a formal PM, let's say, or maybe you're just in charge of a project or every now and then you're in charge of projects, you know, you don't necessarily think about people as stakeholders, you know, sure. kind of who's involved. Um, but actually I think putting some thought into it is interesting too, because you really understand, well, you know, who's involved and why, uh, and really the scope of kind of what you're managing as the leader or project manager of a project. 
Yeah. And uh, I think there are some like unique examples where uh, people are, are stakeholders that you might not think are stakeholders. Like, like we've talked about previously, uh, like even rolling out software into your, in, into your company and, and the stakeholders in that scenario are, are the employees um, or the departments uh, that you're rolling it out, out into. Absolutely. And it's interesting because, you know, sometimes, you know, even in that scenario, but stakeholders typically don't work directly under you from a hierarchy aspect. Um, so generally they're harder to manage. Uh, so a customer is a great example. You know, they don't work under you. They don't report to you. Um, they're external. Sometimes it's a senior management. Again, you, they don't report to you. You actually report to them. So managing those relationships and managing the stakeholders in a project that has deliverables and due dates and all these other things um, really, you know, is a challenge uh, because you have to handle that relationship in, in a unique way. Uh, it's not as easy as somebody who maybe directly reports you. It's like, well, let's just get done this way and, and, and get to work kind of thing. Uh, you have to handle it with a lot more care. Yeah, so to kind of break this out further uh, to help you manage stakeholders in your project or whatever it is you might be doing, uh, we put together a list of things you should be doing uh, to help with that process and also some things that you shouldn't be doing that's probably not helping the management of your stakeholders. Um, so as far as things to do, uh, identifying the stakeholders is first. So this provides clarity for everyone on the project. So the stakeholders, non-stakeholders, everybody, you know, who are the stakeholders? Is there a customer involved? Are there managers involved? Other departments, who is actually involved? Uh, taking the time to actually identify that is key. Um, and there, there, may, there probably are more stakeholders than you think. Because uh, a lot of people think if there's a customer involved, well, that's the main stakeholder and you don't put much thought into anything else. I think that's a good point. Uh, so there can be primary stakeholders and then secondary stakeholders to, to just about any project. Yeah, and also communicating them amongst the team too, you know, for, for different reasons, whatever they might be, you know, you may want to communicate this different stakeholders to the different people involved in the project. So everybody does know, not just you. Uh, so there might be advantages to doing that. So the second point is uh, you want to define what makes uh, the project successful clearly uh, before the project begins. So I, I would even go as far as to you should like write it down, right? Like in order for this project to be successful, we need to accomplish this. You don't want it to be vague. You don't want it to be too broad. You want it to be very specific and, and actionable. Yeah, I think this is harder than it looks. I mean, I've always had trouble doing this too uh, because a lot of times we have grander scopes in mind like, oh yeah, we are creating a website. That's obviously a deliverable. Um, but making a broad statement like that can mean many things. A website can be many things, right? Mm -hmm. Or any type of product. It could be an event that you're setting up. It could be whatever it is. Um, you know, if the main, okay, in order for this project to be successful, we need to set up the event. <laughs> what does that mean exactly? What kind of event? How many people is it holding? Uh, how many different types of tickets will be sold? Will there be booths? You know, all of these things are questions, right? Which if you don't clearly define what makes a, a project successful, then you end up in these, you know, a lot of problems like scope creep and unhappy stakeholders and all these things. Um, but I do think it's harder than it looks. I think it's, you know, well, you know, what do you actually outline for a website, right? Like what are the exact deliverables? You have to do your homework with the stakeholder to really understand, well, what are we deliver like what are the what is the purpose of creating this website and what are we trying to achieve by doing that and a lot of those benefits might be very general that we kind of just assume and others are very specific we want to be able to take 
job applications from the website. That's very specific and that's really easy to measure. Sure. Um, so you want to kind of get all of those measurable things in a row uh, and even some of the things that might be assumed, make sure you write down a document so where everybody's on the same page as to like what makes this project successful. Sure. Yeah. So um, I think the key takeaway there is that you need something measurable um, that in order to define what makes it successful. So for take job applications, that that's that's pretty straightforward. You know, that, like as long as there is a, a mechanism for taking job applications, it could be successful. But um, maybe for a website, it, it might not be that clear. So so um, a goal like we want to increase time on page that that could be the the overall goal that that is determines the success of the project or if you are setting up an event like we want uh more vendors than there were last year and more um visitors to the event than there were the pr pr previous year um those could be things that uh, uh you define in order to say hey if if we hit these goals uh the project was a success yeah and you probably want to outline too you know, what, what are you doing in that project to accomplish those goals? So, you know, cause you, you know, there are many different things like something like increasing, you know, vendor count could involve marketing and advertising, right? It could involve trial and error. It could involve a whole nother project, if you will. Um, so you want to definitely say, Hey, these are the things we're going to do to improve um, vendor count and we're going to measure it. Right. And, and make sure they understand the expected outcome versus what's possible versus what may require additional effort. Um, and that's why I think a lot of times it is very hard to, to actually document this because, you know, even something as simple as that, like so a job application form is very easy to measure. Somebody can go to, to the site, they fill out the form, they submit it, it works, they receive the application, right? That is done. That is, should meet everybody's expectations. But when you talk about something like, you know, improve SEO or <laughs> increase vendor account, how do you measure that? Yeah. And what are you doing to actually increase that? And that could be a trial and error thing where, hey, we're going to do these three things. It could increase it. It could not. We don't know how much. We're going to measure it and then possibly iterate. So uh, just be careful of those situations too, like how you're presenting that, how you're capturing that goal. And, you know, are you doing certain things now? And then if that doesn't work, you can do certain things later. Uh, all of those things kind of come into play. Also, if the project is uh, is larger and you do have multiple stakeholders, um, even multiple different primary and secondary stakeholders, uh, the the project success could be different for for each of those people. Um, hopefully, it's not drastically different uh, because the project might just be really too large at that point. But uh, it it could be different. Absolutely, yeah, and and. That, that's good to note and it also will drive how you communicate to people as well like you know you're not wasting people's time and communicating the wrong thing to different people and and if they don't care about that measure or that that stat whatever it might be um you know communicate what they care about cool so another point is don't make stakeholders wait too long before they start to see value um so my my whole thing has always been share share quickly and often similar to very iterative or agile methods out there um, where you kind of want to move fast, share quickly, get feedback early. The more time typically there's, there it goes without no value being shown, the more questions typically arise in my experience. So the alarms start to go off in the stakeholders head like, wow, haven't heard from Brian in a couple weeks. That's strange. And now they start kind of being getting concerned, start raising questions. Now, when they look at things that you're delivering potentially, um, they're gonna look with a closer eye potentially. Now they're starting to say, oh, did it took two weeks to do this? That's strange, that seems a long time. So 
that, you know, if you share quickly and often, it kind of eliminates all of those questions. It keeps everybody in the loop, um, you know, often, and, and you get that early feedback and everybody kind of knows how the work's flowing and, and, and what's progressing on a kind of shorter time frame. I think the easiest way to tackle this is actually just to schedule uh, check-ins on a regular interval. Um, obviously, again, the, the, the more stakeholders and the more important the stakeholders are, um, the harder that will be. Uh, but even if you schedule a monthly uh, check-in, uh, if it's like a really long project, uh, just to keep them uh, abreast of what's happening. Yep, and it will be a different cadence probably for the different stakeholders. Like so in an agency environment, it might be every week with the account manager because they're, they're the liaison between you and the client potentially. Uh, and then it's every month with the customer, like you said. So yeah, definitely probably different cadences for you know different situations and different stakeholders. All right, the next point is to uh, execute against the objective to ensure project success. Uh, so you wanna manage uh, scope creep and, and you wanna be sure not to under deliver. You know, you should always, uh, I think the saying is uh, under promise over deliver. Yeah, and I think that's a tough thing to do generally when you're when you do have a scope involved and you do have a kind of defined set of, you know, whatever the pro project deliverables consist of. Um, it's easy to kind of overdo it and increase the scope without knowing it, uh, and then having a whole other budget and time issues on your hand. But generally, you know, you also want to be sure not to underdeliver um, sure. and underwhelm the stakeholder because now they're going to be like, well, boy, I feel kind of like we didn't get what we asked for. Um, if you can over deliver within the scope, that's definitely the best scenario. So if you can find quick, easy wins that will, you know, make the stakeholders happy for whatever various reasons, um, that's the, like the best scenario possible. Cause you keep everything, you know, within scope and within the means of the project, but you kind of delight them beyond what they expected. I think, uh, this can be a real sign of an experienced, um, agency when if we use an agency as an example versus an inexperienced agency uh, because if you work with an agency a lot and you notice that they constantly are um, over promising and under delivering it's most likely that they don't have the right resources in place to, to properly quote things out and that they are biting off more they could chew more or less an example of this at an agency may, might be that um, you underestimate the, the length of time it takes to, to get various things done. And uh, then when when the client accepts your offer, you end up not being able to even get all that you promised done in that timeline, let, let alone like any, any extra polish. Um, and that typically is, is, is really a problem, right? Like uh, the client's then going to be less likely to, to use you in, in the future. Um, they're going to be just generally unhappy, right? Uh, the, especially if it, if you leave them in a in a fairly incomplete state. Yeah, and I think experience does come into play too. Like when you're estimating timelines and different things for different projects, right? If you have an experienced team, kind of understanding really what it's going to take, you should be able to give a, a reasonable timeline um, and and hopefully give yourself room to over deliver. I think another example is like even a manufacturing company. If you're manufacturing product for a customer. And, you know, you've estimated two months for the whole process and you deliver a week early and that was kind of built in. But to the customer, they're getting something a week early. No extra cost to you as a manufacturer, um, but you actually over delivered within the same scope because you were able to deliver a week early. Right. And those are the kind of things that really is, is the magic, right, where you can keep everything within scope, within budget. Um, but something like delivering a week early, you know 
could make the customer very happy. Same thing with an agency, right? Sure. We say the landing page is going to take six weeks to do and we deliver in five weeks. Wow, you guys are amazing. Um, obviously that can get out of hand if you start saying, well, yeah, it'll take six months, right? And then our customer's like, well, that's crazy. I can't wait six months, right? But if you have enough experience to really understand what things take, you can almost be smart about, you know, how to manage those things to kind of build in some over-deliver, um, you know, possibilities. So, so the next one is, you know, keep it simple when communicating with project stakeholders. I think especially if you work in a technical area, it's easy to, you know, kind of overcomplicate things with more technical language or, you know, kind of talk over their head because you're trying to explain what's going on. But to them, you know, they're hiring you for a reason, um, mostly because they don't do what you do. So you have to be sure to break things down. Um, so in layman's terms, so everybody can understand it and be very consistent with that because I've seen it cause, you know, a lot of uh, frustration on the stakeholder side, especially when you talk to customers, um, they get defensive. Um, they, they don't feel secure because it basically makes them feel lesser than you, right? Because you're almost like you're talking down to them because they don't understand what you're talking about because you're using a bunch mm -hmm. of technical jargon. Um, so you have to be really careful to kind of, you know, speak their language, make sure they understand things and be consistent about that. So they are, feel comfortable and they're in the loop with you and right along with you and not, they don't feel kind of, under you or inadequate or hey, I really don't understand what's going on, but I trust him. You don't want that scenario to happen. Sure. Yeah. This is a, a, especially the case if they um, are questioning, right? Something um, you, you don't want to start being super defensive uh, because then they are going to get defensive or they're going to, um, it's just going to be a bad situation. Uh, so you, you definitely just want to, Use uh, common language, uh, simple to, to understand language, and um, don't, yeah, just don't overcomplicate things. Yeah, and sometimes you can't avoid some of the technical conversation, you know, and I've, I've had situations where, you know, I don't want to offend them either, you know, where it's like, well, oh, you're just assuming I don't know that, right? Mm -hmm. You know, what, what gives you the right? Um, so I will ask sometimes, be like, oh, do you know X, Y, and Z? And they'll be like, actually, I don't know much about it. Okay. And then I will then have the kind of power to break it down uh, into more common language. Um, sometimes they've even drawn simple pictures to explain something. Um, but you don't want to necessarily go right to the picture drawing if they're like, yeah, um, hello, I definitely understand that. You know, you just kind of insulted me a little bit. Um, so again, it's a, it comes to a, like a fine line of managing a stakeholder to understand who are they, what background do they have, what knowledge do they have, uh, do they understand what you're talking about or not? I mean, I've had more technical stakeholders that I can speak freely with, um, and they might even know more than I know, right, which is awesome. So, um, you know, and then there's times when I've had, you know, no technical background at all, and I kind of know right about uh, right off the bat that I have to explain generally anything, you know, or everything that has any kind of technical bearing. So, you know, it's it's all in kind of understanding who you're dealing with and how to manage them properly. Awesome. So the the last point I think we want to make is uh, you need to prioritize your stakeholders. Uh, some stakeholders are definitely uh, going to be more valuable than others, and and some will demand uh, more attention than others. Um, the first point uh, that some will, some are more valuable that this actually might not be as easy to to determine um, right away as, as you might think, um, the, depending on you know that like who's taking ownership of that uh, project within within the company. Um, very often, the person that you talk to the most might actually be the most valuable person, or it might not be. Um, but it, it, even even if the person's very high up, they they 
they might not necessarily be the most uh, most valuable. Yeah, I think it's really like, you know, it's sometimes easy to understand, like, you know, customer obviously probably has the most weight as a, a stakeholder in like an agency environment or any kind of service driven, uh, you know, examples that we've given. And, and that's easy to understand sometimes. And then prioritizing for there might be a little more challenging. Um, like I know in my experience at the agency, you know, it would be customer, then account manager, then kind of my boss would probably be the, the normal pecking order. And then, you know, any internal stakeholders as far as department heads or anything like that. Um, but understanding the, the value as far as like, who's the most valuable, who deserves the most intention because of that ranking um, and making sure that that most valuable stakeholders taken care of and maybe gets more of your attention, more of your time. And then it kind of trickles down from there. And that's really more of a time management thing than anything sometimes, because sometimes as a PM or anybody dealing with a bunch of stakeholders, it's time, right? If you gave everybody the same amount of time and you have a bunch of stakeholders in a project, you know, you're going to be, you know, and you, and you have multiple projects going on, you know, you're going to be strapped for a bunch of time. But you also don't just want to ignore someone just because you don't think they're uh, a valuable stakeholder. Uh, of course not. But maybe that stakeholder of less value only needs to be checked in on once a month and needs one status report of X nature, right? That's all they really care about. Um, instead of trying to contact them every week or every day and giving an update, which they don't really need or want, you know, by prioritizing them, you're also prioritizing your time in that way. So yeah, I mean, and if they deserve more time or they have more value, then they'll be hopefully up, or, you know, further up on your ranking system, right? So you you will give them the attention that they need. So, you know, for example, Tom, you and I working together at the agency, you know, you were the head of development. Uh, I was the head of project management. I dealt a lot with the clients. You didn't necessarily, right? So you were a secondary, you know, stakeholder for me, but my primaries were definitely the customer and the account manager because, I dealt with them on a daily basis. I dealt with you only in certain scenarios, right? So not that you weren't important, but you were less important than the customer per se, right? So as far as giving an update, I would give an update to the customer first and then probably do a secondary update when we met once a week when we had our status updates internally. All right, great. So let's talk about things not to do. Um, one of them is identifying and prioritizing the wrong stakeholders. So I have personal experience with this. Um, I had a client where it turns out their boss was actually being looped in internally and we didn't realize it. Um, and I thought my main point of contact was the person I was dealing with, which was the case, but the whole time he had somebody above him um, making all the decisions and approvals. So when it came down to actually delivering the final product, we had a huge problem because that stakeholder, which I failed to identify uh, in the beginning of the project, basically said, hey, uh, actually, this is all wrong, or, you know, these things are now wrong. And we're like, wait a minute, you've been approving this the whole time. What, what's the issue? And somebody else kind of comes in at the final hour and changes their mind. So uh, it's really important to kind of identify and prioritize the right stakeholders up front so you don't fall into that kind of trap. How did you, uh, how did you rectify that situation? Well, in the end, you know, the customer is always right. Um, but in the end, um, we did essentially do a change order. Um, because the customer did realize that, hey, partly my fault, I didn't really loop you into everything that was going on. And so we kind of compromised with a change order, which covered some of our additional costs to make the changes and everybody was happy. So kind of put out a fire there. But obviously, if you can avoid that situation, that's the best best case. Uh, so the next thing not to do is uh, don't overpromise ever, uh, which it sounds uh, like this could be easy to do, but it's it's really tricky because you you basically want to you know obviously 
promise enough to win the work if you're like an agency, um, but not promise too much, especially in uh, whatever time period or whatever budget that you have um, to deliver by. Yeah, nine times out of 10, you know, you end up under delivering in the end, even though you think you're doing what's right by promising, you know, because it's kind of like the quick fix. It's like the instant rush. It's like, yes, we can do that. And the customer's like, great, this is amazing. And the project's going to be amazing. And we're going to get exactly what we wanted. And you've, you've over promised. And in the end, you will end up under delivering, underwhelming the customer. Um, there being more issues than needed. Uh, it's just not worth it in the end. It's, it's better to be kind of upfront and make sure the scope is intact, the budget's intact for what you're actually delivering. The other third point here is don't panic. Um, so when you're calm, your team is generally calm, your stakeholders are calm. Um, I've seen people where, you know, you, it looks like there's a fire going somewhere, right? They're running around, they're crazy, they're um, anxious and panicking about kind of how to deal with something. You know, I think part of being a leader of a project or a PM or whatever the scenario might be, you know, is remaining calm and focusing on the solution and not so much, wow, this really stinks. Like I have to now go talk to the client and have this tough conversation. You know, that's going to happen. Um, so, you know, you got to just remain calm, focus on the solution, come up with the, you know, a plan of action that will avoid your team and your stakeholders going into panic mode. You do not want your stakeholders, especially your key stakeholders, kind of coming at you with panic and causing you more headaches, right? So the calmer you are, the, the smoother everything will kind of roll. And the last point is uh, don't, don't avoid communicating uh, the inevitable. So if you, if you have an issue, uh, immediately communicate it. If, if there's going to be a delay or um, potentially uh, a change in, in you're going to require a change in budget, um, you want to communicate that as, as early as possible to the customer. They're, they're often difficult conversations to have, but uh, you'll find that if you communicate early and, and often, uh, it's better than them being overwhelmed at the end by some change order or, or not getting the, what they expected. Yeah, it's like ripping the bandaid off. You know, you just got to... You just got to do it. It's better to just rip the bandaid off and have a, a little scream. Bite the bullet, <laughs> right? Shout. Yeah, bite the bullet. Um, then, you know, kind of like avoiding it, which I think a lot of people do um, because it's easier to avoid sometimes. Um, sure. And you're kind of trying to think of like, well, I wonder if there's another way around this so I don't have to have this conversation. Maybe if I let it go another week, we can catch up. Or maybe, you know, we can fix it in the back end, right? Yeah, Never have to dig yourself in deeper, typically. Exactly. And, and then, you know, I've been in situations where I've, uh, you know, I myself have done this, um, and in, especially early on in my career when I wasn't as experienced, but I've had other people on my team where, you know, it ends up going two, three weeks in, and then it becomes an issue about why didn't you tell me about this three weeks ago? Yep. Right. We could have dealt with this or, and, and a lot of times the problem or uh, the, the solution to the problem is actually not a big deal. You know, no, yeah. in, in that scenario, you've made it worse, right? Now the client doesn't trust you or whoever your stakeholder is that the trust value goes away. Um, and they're kind of like, well, that really, you're not a really good communicator. You kind of let this go two, three weeks out of hand. And, you know, in the end we could have fixed this with one little conversation and the, the stakeholder wouldn't have been upset. So it's just not worth it. Um, it's better just to face it. And that's something that I learned the hard way just early on in my career, but you know, became an asset in my project management skills just because I was generally the type of person who would be like, okay, let's get on with the stakeholder or the customer, whoever it might be like, let's get on the phone with them right now and talk about it and just deal with it head on and, and just move on again, stay calm, 
deal with it, move on, come up with a solution. In the end, you know, the, the whole goal is to get the project done for everybody, right? So it's, it's uh, everybody should be on the same team. Yeah, and I, I feel like this is a very typical thing that project managers, this is basically a big part of their job. They, they have to identify problems and, and help think of solutions. But uh, very often, the solution can't just be thought of by the project manager. They, they, they need to run it up the, the chain of command, if you will, and, and um, the, which is the client or whoever the stakeholders are and, and come up with a solution with them, right? Because yeah. if it's a, a time issue, hey, okay, well, uh, the time is the time, right? We, we can't extend it. If there's a hard deadline, uh, then, Hey, well, can we cut anything out? Can, how can we make up this time? Like, yeah, very seldom does any plan, you know, play out exactly as you, you expected it to. And, and that's on the you know, delivery side and on the stakeholder side, right. Or the customer side. So, sure. you know, I mean, I think this is something that we should all expect is really uh, how you manage it right and how you manage expectations like this whole episode is about you know managing expectations and not letting things get out of control most of the time what you initially set out to do will change for various reasons and um it's you know these tips will kind of help things run a little smoother and avoid issues that that are not necessary so let's talk about tips for taking action cool yeah i think uh one main thing here is one takeaway for me is that you know creating a stakeholder communication plan, if you will, of sorts. I, you know, I'm not, and, and we are not, you know, fans of tons of documentation or unnecessary documentation. Um, but informally, it just might be helpful to write down all the stakeholders that are part of the project. And if not just to document it for yourself to reference back, but also to make you think about, hey, did I identify everybody? Am I really taking into account all the players of this project? Um, so it will force you to think about it, but also document it so you can refer back to it. Um, and, you know, part of identifying those stakeholders are, you know, also involves like identifying their needs and interests. So if a stakeholder is concerned about meeting delivery date, and that's a huge concern of theirs, you know, you can jot that down and be aware of that and make sure, you know, you be on top of the timeline discussions with that particular stakeholder, because that's their main concern. So various stakeholders will have different concerns. If you're aware of those, document them, kind of write it down and, and make that part of your focus. It, it just makes your communication a lot clearer and, and more streamlined. And the, the last tip for taking action is, uh, and, and I think it's a fairly easy one, is to uh, establish a communication cadence uh, early and uh, stick to that. And then uh, on top of just doing that, uh, establish how you're going to communicate. Uh, is it going to be over the phone? Is it going to be email, Slack, in-person meeting? Um, set that up, stick to it. Uh, it should be easy, easy to do. And if you, if you stick to that cadence, I think you'll think you'll find that things go fairly smoothly. Yeah. I think asking stakeholders how they want to be communicating, communicated with is important. Um, I've had customers who really just talk, I and mean, this is probably dating myself a little bit, but they only wanted to talk on the phone. You know, they did not like email. They did not obviously like text message or anything like that. Um, and then I've had customers who only wanted to meet in person. That was just how they rolled. And, you know, they expected when there was something to communicate, we set a meeting, we go there and we present what we have to present. <laughs> um, so it's important to understand what they expect and what makes their life easier as well. Um, so you're not constantly communicating in a way that's just irritating and not getting the point across or maybe even being dropped. Um, so yeah, and then the cadence, the same thing, right? Like the cadence could be different for different stakeholders. Maybe sure. the key stakeholder wants to meet every week. Uh, maybe the secondary or lower tier stakeholders, it only requires a meeting every month, right? So 
establishing that kind of upfront will at least allow you to create that cadence, I guess, ahead of time. Like, well, I think that about wraps us up for the day. If you have a question for us, you can call it into our voicemail number at 860-577-2293, or you can email it to us at workflow at rindle.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Thunder Rock by Magic Studio used under Creative Commons. Subscribe to us on iTunes by searching for Workflow and visit rindle.com slash workflow dash podcast for a full transcript of each episode. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.